Hey, agency owners, it's time for a new episode of the Agency Blueprint, the number one podcast for agency owners looking to discover strategies for scaling an agency to seven figures and beyond, while reducing stress and getting your personal life back. I'm your host, Robert Patton, international bestselling author, agency scale partner, and founder of Creative Agency Success. If you enjoy our podcast, please do me a favor and hit that subscribe button to make sure you never miss an episode and help keep the show at the top of the charts so it can be found by more agency owners like you. And now for the show. Hey everyone, in today's episode, Darren and I are going to be talking about our agency scale method and review ultimately how it impacts agencies and the agency owner. The goal is to have an agency that provides purpose and energy, that has you living really in your true core expertise, having authority within the space of who your ideal client is, having revenue and profit assured so that you have less of an anxiety-driving financial experience, and ultimately having seamless operations that allows for the agency to operate without you. Darren and I are going to go through each of the five steps of our scale method to give you the foundation of what you need to be able to grow. The first of which is selecting your niche. And I don't want you to worry if the idea of choosing a niche right now feels daunting. Even if it feels impossible, I will tell you that your future self will thank you for going through the experience and going through the steps that we'll talk about today. Selecting a niche allows for you to really have a true differentiator with who it is that you're reaching out to and who it is that you're working with. And really being able to only be doing the things that you're not just good at, but that you are great at. Really being able to provide meaningful impact to your clients. Right, right. I know uh, working with different agencies and, and, and just hopping on the phone with different agencies, every time I bring up the topic or, or like, oh, like, who who is it that you work with? And everybody's always like, oh, well, I do a little bit of this, I do a little bit of that. I work with everybody. Like, I'm I'm good at everything. They think of of selecting down. They feel like it, it may be limiting their their creative side, right? And that's not what we want to do at all. We want to make sure that you're honed in on who you work with and and how you work with them. Being able to not just be good at everything, but be great at everything, right? Or great at everything that you're doing for this particular industry or service vertical that you're you're selecting. Yeah, I know. There's that sort of comment that we get all the time, right? Is that like I find variety creatively inspiring, and that if I am to be doing I'm working with one specific industry that I wouldn't be able to be more creative. And I mean, while I understand how that line of thought would make sense, I also think that ultimately, if you understand the full gamut of what's going on within the ideal client of who you're serving, that's where your true creative ability shines, right? Because you have a full understanding, you see the full picture of what's going on. And that's where true inspired creative is important, right? Because you have to look at things from different angles and actually be meaningfully creative. And I think that needing and feeling like, well, I, like I said, I understand why that would be the case, and why that would feel that way to begin with. I think you're actually limiting yourself and telling yourself that you're not as creative as you believe yourself to be and that you're not going to be able to be creative in those instances. And that's more of a belief in yourself than it is actually 
about what you're saying, the reason is that you're not going to be able to be creatively inspired outside of that situation. Right. And then ultimately down the line, right, you can't replicate yourself, right? As much as we want to, you may be good at a bunch of different things, but being able to instill that and transfer that into your staff and into your your team ultimately is, is difficult and, and not as efficient. Yeah. I mean, for the vast majority of agency owners, they've been 10, 15, 20, 30 years in the industry that they work in and trying to impart that much expertise and that much history into a person in a short period of time. It's not only just very difficult, but actually impossible. So you need to be able to have the ability to have them get deeper as well, right? And the sooner that you select a focus, the greater amount of expertise that you're going to build in a shorter period of time. So even if you don't believe that you have this tremendous amount of expertise in this specific industry, in a rather short period of time, you're going to be able to see the full picture, apply the expertise that you have built in the service that you've done, in the service that you're an expert in, but applying it to a specific industry. So let me walk you through the steps that we suggest when you're looking at selecting a niche and a specialization in the first place. So the first step and what sort of goes wrong for the vast majority of agencies is that they are considering too many variables at the same time, which causes them this tremendous amount of overwhelm because it's very difficult to consider all the variables all at once. And it's kind of like looking for a needle in a haystack, right? You're trying to consider every single different piece and how it's going to affect the business and how do you serve them and the services you're offering and are there enough of them? And can they afford you? And you're considering 15, 20 different variables all at the same time. And it causes this sense of overwhelm and then ultimately zero decision being made. So what we suggest is actually breaking it down in a slower pace and less considerations at the same time. And the first step is to not consider anything. Filterless brainstorm of the clients you've worked with, the industries that you've worked with in the past, and industries that you even just enjoy and may have some curiosity and interest in and just list them all out. No filter, no consideration, nothing. You're just going to list everything out. From that list, we're going to go through kind of process of elimination. And we're going to eliminate the ones that we actually don't really have that much of an interest in. And then we're going to go through and filter out through three variables. Now, no other additional variables being considered yet, we're going to filter through just three variables. Those three variables are, do you have an expertise in that specific area? Do you know that industry? Can you help them? And do you like them? I want you to just then go through and filter out that list, which ultimately, likely speaking, you're going to end up with a list of maybe three to five. If you end up with a list of industries that are more than three to five, you're not being honest with yourself. You do not have and you cannot help that many people and have that expertise and enjoy the people that much in that many of industries. So if you have gotten to this stage, and you've completed it, then you have a very vast number of agency or of industries, you haven't done the, the exercise fully and haven't been true with yourself. The third step is to actually think about the data behind it. Can the industry afford you? Is the industry growing? And is there enough of them? And I want to hit on the enough of them for a moment. And when I say, is there enough of them? I mean, 
if you were to gain 1% of market share, would you be able to hit your long-term goals? Yes or no? I'm not talking about, I need hundreds of thousands of leads. I mean, for the vast majority of people, having a list of 10,000 to a high end of 75,000 potential leads are going to get them to where their five, 10-year goal is with just a 1% market share, which is accomplishable, very accomplishable. The other is the consideration of whether that industry is going to be more relevant in the future than it is today. If it isn't, you're setting yourself up, your future self up for a bit of a struggle because the industry isn't going to be growing and your agency isn't going to be able to grow as easily as well. Right. And I feel like those are two very important points that you bring up as well. Just kind of going back to that, I want to work with everybody kind of thing. People do that out of, of fear of like scarcity as well. It's just like, oh, well, if I if I tailor down the people I target, um, then like I'm not going to have the opportunity to grow. There's not going to be as many clients. Right. And then as well as just like, is the industry growing? Right. Those are two things that realistically you kind of broke it down to a fundamental level. It's like all you really need is one percent. And, and different industries as well. It's like you might, you might even need half a percent to hit your goals, right? To where you're living comfortably, to where you're 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 hitting your long-term goals in terms of like what you want to do with an agency, like whether it be to scale it, sale it, or pass it down, right? You realistically, you don't need 10% market share of, of, of any one industry to succeed. No, and that 10% market share would be quite a hefty percentage of market share as well. And a lot of work. <laughs> yes, the other thing that, that is sort of next step here is highlighting your unique expertise and your unique experience. Really being able to get to the authentic reason why you are here and your unique offer in the world. And the thing that I really want to hit is that you shouldn't be shy to spotlight yourself and the skill set that you developed and the things that you've learned and set yourself apart from the competition. What I see happen 99.9% .9 of the time is that agencies are looking at their competitors to define what their differentiator is. And I just want to call bullshit. It's that you cannot possibly find your differentiator by looking at other people. That is not your differentiator. That is theirs. And why the industry all ends up sounding the same and quite frankly, why all clients are just like, well, they're a dime a dozen and everyone sounds the same. And if you were to take the logo and take the name off the web page and just read the copy, could you distinguish yourself against another agency? Probably not. And therein lies a huge problem. Yeah. Like you said, it's ironic. It's just like you're trying to find out who you are as your agency, but you're looking at other people. Like you're, you're copying off their notes. You're like, oh, okay, they do this, so we're going to do this. And that's a, another thing as well. Is like to be unique, you just have to, to be authentic, right? You're the only one of you in the world right as well and so like when it comes to like looking at other people's pricing or you know what i'm saying like oh well they're charging so i should be charging this like you have your own unique advantage or your your own unique edge what what costs somebody this is may not cost you that you know what i'm saying like you have your own different processes you have your own different you're you're you need to be unique and authentic to yourself otherwise you're lost 100 percent. i'm gonna think a bit of an irony that i'm sharing this now on a podcast but Many years ago, I was interviewed as a guest on a podcast, and where I was in my career, I hadn't really owned a piece of my story, which, so what, what ended up happening is the host asked me where I went to school, and 
at that point in my career, a lot of my life and a lot of my career had been in the finance department of agencies. And my degree and where I went to school was, and I had earned a commercial photography degree. And that really has no correlation to accounting. So there was this like sort of piece of me that had a bit of shame around it, really. And I didn't like being asked the question on that podcast. And after being interviewed and after the podcast, I did quite a lot of self-exploration as to why that feeling came up and why I was thinking that and all of that. And what I ended up recognizing ultimately is that I needed to be my true authentic self and that it actually was a bit of my power here because I pursued a creative education. I pursued a creative career. I owned a creative business. And ultimately, while I decided that wasn't what I wanted to do long term with my life, I understand agency owners and creative people in a more meaningful way than a lot of people do because I am a creative to a degree. And very analytical person by nature, I had explored my creative side and understand creative people in a very meaningful way. And as I realized when I started talking about this more and owning this part of my story is when I actually took off a lot more. People understood my why because this is why I work with agencies is because I understand them. I get their experience. I get their motivations. I like the people and why I enjoy this industry so much. And that was a differentiator for me. It wasn't something to hold me back. It was actually something meaningful. Right. And, and, and just to, to share my own funny story about learning about you and, and like before, like when we were first starting off. So it was your brother who was like, oh, Darren, you like, you should, you should hang out or like check out or work with my, my brother. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Like what kind of job is it? Oh, it's like an accounting job. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. So I remember my first day I came in basically like a full suit and, and I was like walking in and then you just like walk by me in some like Birkenstocks and, and like, like shorts. And I was like, I was like, oh, okay. All right. He's kind of laid back guy, I guess. And I did that for like the, the first full week. And you're like, dude, dude you got to stop dressing like that. Like I was like, I, I was like, I, this is an accounting job. I don't get it. But then like, I learned a little bit more about your background and I was like, oh, like it just helped me connect with you more. Like it, it connected the dots for me because there seemed like there was like a misalignment. It was like, when you think of like an accountant or you think of somebody who's like heavily into business, business finance, you're thinking of somebody who's like uptight, stiff, kind of like guy. And you're honestly you're the complete opposite of that, but you still have that like analytical mind of somebody who is an accountant. So like I get that portion and then you told me like the the creative business that you owned and I was like, oh, okay. So like it just starts connecting all of these dots and it just helps me relate to you more and then also helps clients relate to you more. And it's just like, oh, like why do you do what you do? Oh, well, actually I went to school for photography and I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Like it's like, this is why you work with them. Like this is why you understand them on that deeper level. Um, and as well as like, you understand like the the analytical aspect because you were raised basically in accounting. So like you have both minds and you're, you're kind of, you're melding it together. And that's why you provide such a unique service, which is saying like, it sets you apart. It sets, makes the, the service completely unique to you. Hey, I just think that's a uh, really funny because ultimately, I mean, you coming in dressed in a suit for me 
right? Was like, you're being overdressed. So I had to tell you, yo, you can't be overdressed. You can't, you're making me feel like I'm underdressed in the, in the office every day. But yeah, 100%, you know, I think it's owning your story allows for you to be truly authentic. And ultimately for me, allowed for me to recognize, I think albeit the hard way that being your true authentic self allows for you to attract your ideal client, allows for them to gravitate towards you and connect with them in a more meaningful way. Because that's what, if you're able to align your why with theirs, it creates safety for your client. It creates safety for people that you work with. This sort of leads me to the next step, the nailing your positioning, really being able to put yourself in the position of your ideal client, the person, the business owner, or the business that you're targeting. When you know them, and for me, for example, I know the industry so well that I know the internal monologue of what's being said for them, right? Like I, I get fully what they're saying to themselves or what agency owners say to themselves. And because of that, I'm able to produce content, podcasts, YouTube videos, emails that allow for me to actually speak to the place that that person is in and provide really meaningful value because I understand them in a deeply meaningful way. And you need to be able to do the same, right? Know exactly what's irritating them, what challenges they're facing and speak to it, but not just speak to it for the sake of getting them to take an action, but speak to it to allow for them to kind of see the world a little bit differently. What I have said and will say time and time again is that if you're able to get and have your ideal client see the world even just one degree of change differently, having that impact for them allows for them to, you'll be remembered in a meaningful way, whether they're ready to buy today or ready to buy in the future, they're going to remember you. And so my overarching feeling and mantra to marketing is how can I, no matter what, if the person decides to work or engage with me, can I have had a meaningful impact on that person's life? And if you're thinking about it that way, you'll be able to nail your positioning as well. Right, right. I think uh, one of my favorite things that I hear when I'm on calls with different potential clients is that, dude, you're speaking directly to me. Like, I like you're you were able to articulate the thoughts that I had. Sometimes it felt like before I was thinking them. It's just like you. It, it, it was so weird. And then um, another one that was my favorite is like, I'm, I'm. I'm Simon. It's like the the person in our book. He's like I'm am him. Like this, that is exactly who I am. That is exactly like how are you guys in my head kind of thing, right? They become eager. It's not even a sell anymore. It becomes like you're establishing a relationship. Like they people feel like they already know you. People feel like you guys have been friends for like the longest time, and you literally just just now talking to them, right? And so like just having that rapport, having that trust built before even like before even having a full conversation with the person is, is honestly is going to make everything so much smoother your client relationship so much smoother like everything is going to be very easy 100 percent. and i think it's it's really nice to know i mean for me at least it's really nice to hear that the content that we produce and the marketing that we produce actually speaks to people in that deeper level that isn't something that I'm just kind of like screaming into the void, you know, 
that ultimately leads to the next sort of place, right? Is that what you're talking about is ultimately building credibility. So through what we are doing from a positioning and content perspective, you build loads of credibility. And that's exactly what we are able to do in marketing because, you know, we are speaking to them in a way that allows for them to really be able to understand. And if you want to be able to do the same thing and build respect and trust, which is ultimately what you need to do in any sale conversation is build respect and trust with your ideal client. And how do you do that in a meaningful way? Right. I mean, you can borrow authority. You can get someone to get to know you in through your marketing or through content. But establishing and demonstrating that credibility and ultimately social proof as well is is an essential component to earning that prospect's trust. And without it, really, you're in for a bit of a rocky sales process, really. Right, right. When you're able to to speak their language, when you're able to show them signs of where they were and where they can be or like where they are currently and where they can be, just ultimately being able to honestly just, just speak to them in a way that they understand and continue to do that, right? You're when you're consistent with it. That's like, oh, this guy's consistently hitting all the points. Like this guy, he knows what he's talking about. Like I feel comfortable reaching out. I feel comfortable having a conversation. I feel I I feel like I understand uh, what they do, how they do it, and ultimately they're going to get me to where I want to go. So the next stage, next step in the scale method is organizing your operations, which a bit sort of goes without saying, but there's loads of things that I think ultimately get missed here, right? I mean, I hear on a very frequent basis of, I I don't like process. I don't want to feel like I'm being beholden to process. I mean, and I will say the same thing that I've said loads of times is we call creative process process as well, that every single human being on the planet thrives in a system, thrives in process, and that you need to create your own, right? I'm not saying that you need to follow this large corporate model that has never been and will never be something, in my opinion, of what you should be doing. My job as a consultant and scale partner for agencies isn't to mandate you do it this way. I don't think that it works. There's not a one-size-fits-all for business. There isn't. It has to take multiple variables into account and create the system that works for you, but still one that is repeatable. Because otherwise, you don't have a business. You have you and maybe cash flow, maybe. In a lot of instances, not even that. So you need to be thinking about how do I create a repeatable process from project management systems to when this happens, this happens and sort of contingent tasks and ultimately make sure that you're carving out a pathway for yourself and for your team to be successful. Right, right. Like I said before, that consistency, like you want it to be consistent to whereas you don't always have to be the person delivering, right? You can be able to train your team on it, something that they'll be able to pick up the process and be able to to add, maybe add their own little flavor onto it, right? This is process isn't going to be, like you said, you're not going to be beholden to it in terms of like, ultimately, we need to do this, right? You're going to iterate upon it as time goes on and make it better and hopefully improve the way that you service your clients. And so the last piece that I will say you will hear a bit more over the next couple of episodes as we dig into pricing models. But the last is actually getting into a reoccurring revenue model. The thing I see happen so incredibly often for a lot of agencies, especially ones that are very project heavy, you have a very difficult time being able to grow and achieve goals because you have so much revenue to replace. And as you get larger, the more difficult that becomes. 
And so you're not able to compound the successes that you have. You have a success and then you have to then have another one and another one, another one on top of each other in order to be able to consistently stay in exactly the same place. And why prioritizing scalability and choosing the right pricing model for you will allow for your agency to grow truly at record speed. And so what we're going to cover over the next couple of episodes, exactly how those different pricing models work, the pros and cons of each, and allowing for you to select what is best for you and for your agency. I hope that this episode today was and is very illuminating for you and giving you a framework to allow for you to choose the pathway for yourself and ultimately to build an agency that provides you with that purpose and energy, has you living in your core expertise, build that true authority with your ideal client, have that revenue and profit assured so that you don't have that financial anxiety that so many agency owners have, and ultimately a pathway to build seamless operations allowing your agency to operate without you. Once again, thank you so much for carving out the time to hear what was shared on today's podcast. Now, chances are, if you're an agency owner listening to this podcast right now, then you may be feeling like this. Because I was finding myself constantly overworked within our business, um, constantly like too busy with fulfillment or too busy with uh, customer service needs. So I didn't have the time to go think about how am I going to close this person or what I'm going to say to this person or what am I going to do with this or what's the next strategy I need to do. Now, of course, this podcast is here to help you with a lot of things. But at one episode per week, it's going to take a while for us to share everything you need specifically for your situation. So if you're really serious about committing to fixing the problems in your agency now so you can build a truly profitable business and get your life back, then I want to invite you to apply for the Agency Accelerator Program. I'm not so stressed during calls thinking, oh my gosh, I got, I got to sell, I got to sell, I got to sell because if I don't sell, I don't make our I don't make our numbers, you know, and if I don't make our numbers, I can't pay our people. If I can't pay our people, then our business is down. This program is designed to help creative agency owners get to 1 million in revenue per year in 12 months or less. I char- typically charge one client a $3,000, anywhere from 2,000 to 3,000. Now I'm uh, moving towards only 5,000 and up. And my latest client that I closed is a $10,000 client on a monthly retainer. We only accept about 20% of the agencies that apply to this program because we want to make sure that we only work with people who will commit the time, energy, and resources required to take what they learn in the program and use it to create an agency of their dreams. You've taught me and you've taught us how to build this within our company that if X happens, this happens. Boom, 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 boom. Like it's so systematic that it's going to work for itself. That has given me the sense of like, oh, I know what the heck I'm talking about. I know what I'm good at. I know that I can deliver upon what I want to deliver. And yeah, I gained hell of a lot of confidence for sure. So if that's you, then I want to invite you to apply today. Just hit the link in the show notes to apply for the Agency Accelerator Program or go to creativeagencysuccess.com forward slash apply. Thanks, and I'll see you inside the program. Mm -hmm.